to another episode of Saying the Tone in your retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we're discussing Season 9, Episode 20, which is titled Foreign Affairs. The episode aired on May 1st, 2003. Lauren was going that week 20 years ago. At the 2003 NFL Draft, quarterback Carson Palmer is selected first overall by the Cincinnati Bengals. Palmer had a middling career over 15 seasons, accruing, oh god, I don't need that word in my life right now, a 92-88-1, oh, I hate month-end close, record as a starter, and a 1-3 record in the playoffs. Guys, never become an accountant. That's where I'm at work-wise today. Uh, Any strong of- opinions, Daniel, on Mr. Palmer? Uh, no. He's he's the very definition of there. Of like, mid. he's, he, yeah, he's just... It's fine. Like, I mean, he had. It's not that like he did, had no talent or he didn't have his moments. He did. He just injuries and bad timing conspired to make his career very underwhelming. Uh, one of Lizzie's favorite turn-based strategy game series makes its U.S. debut as Fire Emblem: The Blazing Blade is released for Game Boy Advance. This game fucking rocks. It basically combines like dating sim stuff in some games with turn-based strategy like there's no like the characters are really the characters all get into like relationships with one another it's really cool uh daniel has big i don't believe you and gross face just for listeners daniel can skip the entirety of the story and still but it's all menu no it's all menus he'd hate it that's true that's not true because he loves his franchise mode on nba i was gonna say this is the man who purchased nba 2k24 Definitely was just playing that before we went to record. So. Well, that's okay because we just bought a WWE 2K23 finally, and I'm finally caving to get Fight Forever now that Danhausen and Keith Lee are available. So I can't judge. Moving on, uh, Identity, a mystery movie starring John Cusack, Ray Liotta, and Amanda Peet, debuts and takes the number one spot at the box office. I do not remember this movie at all, but I'm sure it I, existed. I had never heard of it before now. And Indie Club by 50 Cent is still your number one song. Daniel, what else was on? At 8 p.m., Friends with the episode The One with the Paternity Test. Uh, at 8, we're actually we're getting like relatively, we're like within a year of the end of Friends. Like we're getting really close. Uh, at, at 8.30, a Friends rerun, though, tonight. Bet we'll be seeing a lot of those in the future. Uh, 9, Will and Grace with the episode May Divorce Be With You. Uh, and <laughs> at 9.30, 9.30, Scrubs with uh, a clip show, really bring in the a plus effort uh for that 9 30 slot hey you gotta uh, say budget somewhere right uh this week's episode had 19.5 million viewers tuning in directed by jonathan kaplan doing uh his 29th out of 40 as a director he has been all over season nine uh thousand cranes no strings attached one can only hope and chaos theory are his entries this season and written by david zabel doing his eighth out of 44 as a writer and previous ones of his from this season include a thousand cranes hindsight and walk like a man all right, uh, we get our previously on by Carter, and it is a very busy night in the ER. Luca is working on a trauma when Gordana comes in to talk about the young boy they're trying to get over for surgery. And his mom panicked and put him on the plane solo, and he gets in at 8, but Mercy can't take the surgery for another two weeks. So, cool, great, totally normal one, everything's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, at the Carter residence, we see Carter's dad as Carter is talking with someone about the estate. And I want to note here, the horse portrait makes a return, so that was exciting. I was so happy to see that. 
it, they just do a very good job. Like it's right in front and then they pass through it into the hallway and it made me so happy. Um, Christmas idea. Someone find that for me. Uh, we learned Gamma appointed Carter president of the foundation in her will. And um, his dad goes, oh, it'll be a good thing. Carter's like, for me or the foundation? And Carter gets the fortune and his dad gets a bachelor trust fund in his own words. Um, and Carter goes on to say, she was disappointed in you as a son and as a father. Jesus Christ. Turns around when you fuck around, sometimes you find out. Mm, which, I mean, I'm now that there's not an I, an ounce of, of truth in that statement, it still feels like... Uh, a little bit of like my life has been inconvenienced and therefore I'm going to make it everyone else's problem. Like I'm going to like, he seems like he's lashing out just a little bit because his grandmother died. Abby's getting ready to go to the funeral at her apartment when Eric crashes in, literally breaking into her apartment. Fun. Uh, He got into a fight with someone at the program and did a jailbreak, even though he could have literally just left. He said like, where's the fun? Where's the fun in that? Clearly off his, or excuse me, he lowered his dose of his meds by a bit by cheeking them. He said they were they were no fun in making him feel dull. Real I downer. Lo- I love the way he says that too. He's like, I just adjusted the, there, we adjusted the dosages. And she's like, what? How? And, and then he explains and it's, oh, Eric, Eric. Uh, and then of course brings us into the intro. We are in with bangs. Uh, we come out of the intro to Romano examining a little boy with abdominal pain. Uh, Chuni is translating here because both uh, mom and boy speak pretty much exclusively Spanish. Uh, patient gets brought in. A uh, young man passed out while playing baseball. Uh, we will touch on them a little bit later. Uh, we see Luca telling Carrie about Ante getting worse, and he swears that he can get a team together if uh, she can just get him the authorization. So he's doing a little bit of a uh, little bit of Doug Ross politicking this episode, trying to like get this all uh, taken care of despite you know skirting hospital rules. Uh, and he has Jerry tracking the flight and Chuni working on getting some nurses uh, and I believe trying to trade like uh, off time around Christmas mm-hmm. uh, to recruit some extra help there. Yep. Uh, we go from there over to the funeral uh, at the cemetery where Carter is chatting with one of Gamma's friends uh, and <laughs> very awkwardly asks if uh, Jack, Carter's dad, uh, is a friend when he Oof. just happens to walk up. Oof. Oof. Carter is a little bit visibly perturbed by the fact that Abby is running late. Uh, and I, I don't know. Like, he mentions here that he sent a car for them, uh, which, you know, I think speaks to the whole, like, he sort of, I th- it's not as, I, I, my memories of this episode, maybe just because it's been litigated over and over and over again in the fandom, my memories of this was that there was some scene where it was like explicitly implied that Carter basically demanded that she be there. And there's not, it's not that overt. Uh, but like, to me, like his attitude here and the whole, I sent a car for them kind of thing to me implies some level of like, I, I think, I think there's a justification for why, Abby does what she does. I think it's the implication is that she wasn't given much choice in the matter that she needed. Like it was implied that she needed to be there. I mean, to be fair, I I would not feel like I had much choice anyway, based off, you know, what I quote should do as a partner. I would not feel like I had societal obligations certainly would dictate that. I just like, 
if if you had a, a sudden family member, you know, uh, emergency come up, you know, that happened to coincide with a, a relative of a partner, you know, in their funeral. Like, I feel like depending on the emergency, depending on the family member, that might warrant an immediate response that causes you to miss the funeral. That's what I'm that's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah. Like, to me, there are circumstances that would be acceptable for a partner to miss their other partners uh you know family a a family yeah family situation like there's i don't feel like it's like an absolute given that she has to be there but um back to the er romano is telling the baseball player about his prognosis uh and basically it's like they need to treat this very aggressively it's like this kind of ends up being something of a nothing burger but like he he's basically like we need to treat this aggressively and the guy's like well i'm getting ready to have my big break in you know in the show and i, I need to be at wrigley tomorrow night blah 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 uh and i i, I do love luca what show <laughs> right there's a couple of good one-liners between both from luca and then between romano and luca this episode um but uh, basically, they're going to treat it less aggressively for the moment so that he could still make his, his big shot uh, at Wrigley. Uh, and he is accompanied here by his kind of pushy girlfriend. Uh, yeah. Who, <laughs> who is uh, played by actress Elisa Reyes, who uh, has done voice work in the TV series The Proud Family, uh, One World, and was a cast member on All That, the SNL for Kids. Uh, so shout out to her. Um, one thing that really kind of made me uncomfortable with his girlfriend is how she said, this is our chance. We can't blow our shot. Like, mm, yeah. it's just a little much. It's a like, little I get it, much. but it's just like, are you kidding me? And on a, you know, pedantic geography tip, uh, if this guy's getting ready to make his major league debut with uh, the Cubs, to me, that means he's being probably called up from AAA, which the AAA team for the Cubs is in Iowa. So, uh, you know just just throwing that out there that like if he if he hasn't started playing for the cubs yet there's not really any reason for him to be in chicago training like especially at this time of the year just just say just pedantically just love it as a baseball fan daniel is annoyed yes specifically that right uh we then uh see chuck showing up uh singing at admit for susan uh, and one of the better exchanges of the episode between uh, Luca and Chuck is Luca's trying to recruit uh, Chuck and more importantly Chuck's helicopter to be involved <laughs> uh, in in his little scheme here. He asks, "What's he doing? What are you doing tonight?" And the response from Chuck is, "Take it easy, cowboy. I'm a married man." And so good. Have I mentioned how happy I am to have Chuck around? Like, He's Chuck, I love this man. I I liked this character the first go around i was uh i was excited to get back around to him on this rewatch but like i have like gained a whole new level of appreciation for him in the very short time he's been with us like i what a breath of fresh air he is and i and i really didn't appreciate what a like uh breath of fresh air and a shot of of just fresh energy he is to susan as a character because susan 2.0 has been has been and is accused of being incredibly dull and just kind of there. And boy, Chuck really just like drags her up out of the doldrums. Like she, she gets a fresh coat of paint on her just by being around this guy. It feels like back when she and Mark would joke around in season one, like even, even the innuendos and the being married aside, like just their camaraderie. It feels just so much like when, when she and Mark were hanging out. It, it just works 
so very well. Very much in fan of it. And moving on, uh, Abby arrives at the funeral. We see Eric in the limo drinking and watching cartoons, you know, just having a day. Uh, and the service begins, and, and of course, Eric being, you know, lightly, medic- lightly medicated bipolar person. Uh, with alcohol. Like, yeah, with alcohol, especially. Alcohol fucks you up on some of those meds. Dude, let me let me fucking tell you. Um, the service begins, and yeah, and, he, and of course Eric gets bored of the cartoons and goes to pee by a tree as the service is going on, just like you do. As you do. Uh, still looking extremely disheveled, you know, from literally breaking and entering. Uh, Abby tries to stop him from going over to the main service as he starts to walk over, and... Carter and Jack walk over to intervene, and then he falls into the grave and out of the show. <laughs> right. Okay. So, like, full disclaimer here. The reality of the situation, like, assuming that all of these are real people and these are real events, is very sad, very tragic, very upsetting. But because this is a fictional television show and none of these people are real... This is one of the funniest scenes in the entire show. Like, 15 seasons worth, I put this top five. Give me up against any really? other se- This is fucking hilarious. Like, <laughs> him in the background, like, just wandering out of the fucking limo, going to pee, Abby seeing it, and trying to deal with it without making too much of a scene. And then, like... You know, he comes over, and of course it gets awkward for a bit. And then the fucking pratfall that he does into that grave and made, to me, ten times funnier by the fact that we will never see Eric ever again. <laughs> like, for all we know, he's still down there. Like, they just never like, – well, they do mention him again, but they never – you never vis- visually see him ever again. I think this is hysterical. And it's just uh, – it's just such an absurd ending to so not I mean yeah I, the, yes the storyline has had some absurd turns to it but like it's just oh my god I loved it so much I was actually dreading watching the scene because I was like oh it's gonna be so awkward it's gonna be like a you know making you scared I thoroughly enjoy I kind of wanted to rewatch it like I kind of wanted to just go through and like go around again because holy shit it is such a f- stupid fun again with all the context of the fact that it's you know obviously real people real situations that would be upsetting and like i'm not i'm not making light of anybody with bipolar disorder but in this particular scene for a fictional television show hilarious time time of the episode i'm sorry say one more time that this is a fictional show and these characters aren't real i'm just trying to get ahead of the comments i'm just trying to get i know no 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 i i think we need to say it like about eight times every episode at this point um but then we go over to luca uh trying to recruit dr dorset hey look this guy's still around to assist as a backup surgeon and he says the and dorset's like i don't know i got a pretty hot date tonight with so-and-so from radiology and luca's like "Mm, you'd be disappointed and the guy goes and he goes how disappointed and luca goes you'd be disappointed and then he goes well will lizzie be there will dr corday be there okay it's middle school everybody has a crush on each other again great uh but then we see susan and chuck talking about the legal justifications for dissolving their marriage and they sign under the precedent of one of them being wasted chuck says let him be the gentleman and say he was the one drunk or something just to save her honor and uh susan goes great call me when we're divorced 
Very cute. I love it. Mm. I'm here for it. Um, but then we see a woman was picked up at home after her neighbor's Botox party last night, which again, I thought this was going to go somewhere. This was a nothing burger too. It was just like, yeah. oh, hey, here's this woman. Great. Cool. Uh, Luca is now begging Lizzie to help with the surgery. And she goes, oh, is Dr. Dorset part of this team? It's like these two. Oh my God. Get a room. Pass just some notes. fuck already. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. I said get a room and pass some notes. I did not say anything about fucking. Well, I'm saying just fuck already. <laughs> So anyway, Lizzie, take us into our first audio clip. Cool. Uh, Abby and Carter <laughs> are at the funeral and she, after Abby has dealt with Eric. He's calmer now. I gave him some Depakote. How much? The whole bottle. I was stuck. I, I, he couldn't be left alone and I really wanted to be here with you and I thought he would just wait in the car and I'm really sorry, John. I'm going to drop him off at the hospital, and then I'll come by the house, okay? What for? Because he agreed to be evaluated, maybe go into a locked ward. No, I mean, why come by the house? I know what happened was terrible. Unforgivable, really, but... My brother is sick and he's struggling. I'm just trying to help him survive. I know. So go do that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, the long national nightmare is over, according to Daniel. Well, kind of. It's it's gonna fucking drag for a little while longer until I I'm not I don't consider it officially over with until we read that sanctimonious fucking letter. But uh, Fair but enough. we're but we're getting there. But we're getting there. So very close, so close. I can almost taste it. Uh, any, any, any further thoughts on this? I mean, he, there's a lot more sanctimony to come from uh, John Truman Carter III I mean, before the end of the episode. Tone aside, let's set tone aside for a minute. Um, if this was said, <laughs> okay. with without the tone, let's not set the tone. Let's set the tone aside. Um, I think, you know, he's he's right to kind of say, look. You know, you have other priorities. Go take care of those. But you're right. When it's the just go. Yeah. Just, just go. Right. It's a valid emotion. It's yeah. just like you said, it's the tone. It's the it's it is the just air of sanctimony that is like dripping out of him that is like, OK, buddy, calm down. Like and, and I'm reminded, too, of the fact that like she has literally been telling him for, I don't know, the entirety of their relationship. That's like my family is a lot and there is a lot that comes with both my family and me and dating me. And like, if that's going to be a problem, that's fine. Go do literally anything else with your time. And he's the one that keeps insisting that, no, it's fine. And I, I want to do this and I want to be with you. So like, okay, buddy, like you can't, you can't have it both ways. She's, it's not like she hasn't been warning you the whole time that like, this probably was going to be a, a more than likely outcome. But in any event, uh, we see Pratt working on the woman who was brought in from the Botox party. She's going to need an NG tube. Great. Like I said, they don't really do much of anything of note with this patient. Oh, I love how she's like, will I lose weight? Yeah. Like, it's... Cunt. (laughs) There's the drop. Uh, We then see our next trauma coming. (laughs) That really took me out. 
Holy cow. Uh, our tra- next trauma coming in, a uh, 45-year-old hit during a drive-by shooting. Uh, two of her kids are also coming in, the son and the daughter. Uh, the mother here, Mrs. Mitchell, she is played by actress Janelle Allen, who it, maybe I might have talked about before, maybe not. We will get into this in a second. She's one of two members of her family that is making their second appearance in this show as a different character. What? Um Mrs. Mitchell is played by Jonelle Allen, who appears in Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman, The Wide World of Mystery, and Forever and a Day, and she also appeared in Season 7 as a different character. I believe it was uh, the episode Rescue Me. I can't remember what number that is, but it was in Season 7. She's also brought in with her daughter, Noelle, and the drive-by happened right outside their house. They were hit through the windows. And Lauren? Whose films are those? Uh, we uh, get Jerry coming in the, in the middle of this trauma. He's got a call for Luca from uh, Ante's flight. And uh, it's just kind of chaos in these three traumas. I do like the the shot that they do, which I cannot honestly for the life of me remember if this is the first time we're getting this shot. Uh, but it's a shot that they they do quite a bit, especially as we get into the later years of the show. The three shot of the trauma rooms, like, and, like suture, trauma, trauma, like they take out that back wall and they just run the camera kind of uh through the back like right like from one trauma room over to the next and from just the side and yeah and they do it a couple times this episode and they do it like i said quite a bit as we get into the later years of the show so i am curious to know if this might be the first time we see them do that shot like in full because it's a very good well composed really compelling shot i really really like it uh, Noelle can't feel anything because a bulk a bookcase was pulled down to protect her. Yikes. Fun times. Uh, Pry is told to do a DPL and wait for Corday to see what might be the severity of this spinal cord injury. Because I didn't Google it. Do we know what a DPL is? Uh, dick party l- lemonade. Lizzie. Uh, I tried. Dick Party Lizzie. There we go. Hold on. <laughs> Lauren refuses to accept this as a I refuse to. She refuses a to. A diagnostic peritoneal lavage. There you go. I liked Dick Party Lemonade better myself. <laughs> <laughs> I did too, but I needed to actually notice my own curiosity. Uh, but then, oh God, we see Romano in his kitchen. He's getting ready to prepare some tea turns the kettle on, gets distracted by something, and his arm catches on fire, like the sling. And then he's looks he's looking away and kind of sniffs, you know, smells something burning, and all of a sudden he looks, oh shit, my whole arm is on fire. Not great. Not great. Um, and then we see Carrie in a conference room arguing for Ante's surgery. I knew I didn't catch one of the spelling fixes in there. Um... And Luca barges in and tries to guilt the whole board about not doing it. And he's like, no, because it won't make you money. It's not prestigious. Like if we were doing it for, you know, like a millionaire who needed heart surgery. And the guy goes, well, heart surgery benefits everybody and is a learning opportunity. And Luca's like, yeah, no, you just don't get money out of this. So you don't want to do it. Fuck you. It, it Very is, Doug Ross. I was going to say, like, it is it is telling how, um, like... When you, if you want to know the, the, the difference of opinion of Carrie with Luca and Doug, like, this is straight out of the Doug Ross playbook. And, like, granted, there's, like, a slight 
slight less bit of history between Luca and Carrie that there was between Doug and Carrie. And she lets him get away with so much more this episode mm-hmm. than, I, than I think she ever would have with Doug. Like, she would not have tolerated, like, half of the shit he tries to pull this episode. No. Oh, how time changes everyone. Uh, but let's go to our next audio clip here. Back at Carter's McMansion. Uh, he's in the study when Jack comes in. I didn't know Gamma had the collected Oscar Wilde in first edition. Oh. There was a, a story about him late in his life. She... Love to tell. I can't go and remember. He was on his deathbed drinking champagne. And a friend of his asked him what he was doing. And he said, isn't it obvious? I'm dying beyond my means. She was a society lady with the heart of Stonewall Jackson. I didn't mean what I said before. Oh, it is what it is, John. We can't pretend it was anything else. Not much of a party, huh? Not much of a funeral. It was certainly memorable. More like embarrassing. Is that why Abby's not here? I was just having a hard time mingling. Sharing duck canapes and cosmos with a bunch of people that I don't really know. You don't need to stay if you don't want. It's all right. I'm sorry, Dad. Sorry. I feel like I blew it. Well, you didn't. Not at it, Abby. Let it go, son. Just let it go. How is Carter's dad the most reasonable person involved in this entire was, situation? That's what I was going to say. <laughs> I have also, no idea. they look like two men who have never hugged before in their lives. And also, how, how, how chill he is about Abby. How he's like, no, she didn't do anything. Right. No, and like, that's shit what fucking happens. Yeah. There's a, there's a way to like gracefully land this plane where we can walk away from the smoldering wreckage that is Carby. And like, we can, we can, we can get away from that whole thing, but do it in a much more graceful, understanding way that doesn't make one or both of these characters look like shit. And I feel like the the avenue for doing that was through Carter's dad. Like, really, like, utilize this scene here to make Carter understand, you know, that, like, shit happens, man. Like, we're all imperfect. Like, there is no, like, perfect... There was no perfect scenario under which, you know, we were going to celebrate my dead mother, your dead grandmother's life, like shit happens and like and yeah i'm a fuck up and yeah i'm gonna end up with a bachelor trust fund and whatever like i was a disappointment to my mother big fucking deal like there was this there was this really beautiful poetic way to like tie all this shit together and make this make the last like seasons worth of you know torture mean something and like actually benefit both of these characters and i just i feel like it's a big missed opportunity because uh, I, I'm continually reminded every time Carter's dad pops up on this show, I'm continually reminded of a, what a great actor that the, the uh, mm-hmm. Michael Gross is who plays him and b what fantastic casting it is casting him as Carter's dad. Like he looks like Noah Wiley's dad. I, that is a, a very believable physical resemblance between those two. And yeah. that, that hug there at the end, like you said, Lauren, there's so much in that hug of just like, so much like just detachment and just sort of like 
I don't really know how to do this. I'm not good at being a dad. So like, here we go. Waspy family. Yeah. Like we don't talk about our feelings. We just repress everything. And just like, I, I was, uh, man, I, I just, I really enjoyed this scene and I really, I, it made me wish we got more insight into Carter's dad, because I feel like there's a really interesting character buried just ever so slightly below the surface. Yeah. And I just have to say, I have such book envy when he mentions that first edition of Oscar Wilde works. The fact that he's just sitting there on the couch nonchalantly reading that, and I'm just sitting here like, please, that costs more than my apartment, but please. <laughs> um, but then we go over to Pratt, is talking to Noelle as they send her up for CT. He's very sweet with her. I love this with Pratt. Mm-hmm. Um, Romano comes back into the ER and asks Gallant to come with him and get him some ANSEF. And I think it's Chuni who's like, well, normally nurses give antibiotics. And he's like, nope, I need this kid. Whatever. Yeah. So dr- drags Gallant along. Um, then we see Luca and Gordana are on the run to go get Ante with the portable defibrillator. Cool. Um, Romano shows his burnt arm to Gallant so he can get cleaned up. Cool. You want to um, talk about nauseating... Uh... What was it? What was it? What would you say that Prosthetics, is? Prosthetics, makeup. Prosthetics, yeah. Effects uh, work. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm pretty, I, I guess it. Yeah, work. I guess it would be prosthetic makeup because I'm pretty. That is his arm, you know. Yeah. That's Paul McCrane's arm, but it's still like, bleh, it's gnarly. But yeah, Gallant doesn't know if he can do it because of like how the injury is and everything. He's like, no, you've got this, this, this. You need like plastics. I cannot. This is not just a debridement and send you on yeah. your way. This shit's down to the bone yeah, in he's, some places. And he's like, we got to go get a surgeon. We got to go get Corday. And he's like, no, don't get don't get Lizzie. Get Susan. Like, I, yeah. he's so adamant about Lizzie not seeing this throughout the whole episode. And it just absolutely kills me. Yeah, which is really interesting because, like, I feel like the if you're, you know, planning out this scene and you're planning out everything in, in ahead of time, you think, like, the obvious the obvious decision or the obvious choice is that he comes in and only wants to talk to Lizzie because Lizzie's the only one he really like trusts and the only one he really has any sort of like personal relationship or personal connection to in that place. So I I thought it was a really interesting choice that he singles out Gallant as somebody that he, he wants to be the one to like work on him. And it's not a choice that I dislike. I'm, I'm fine with it. I I actually Mm -hmm. think it's really cool and interesting you know i think it adds another little wrinkle to their their relationship following up on you know galat kind of side talking him a couple episodes ago was yeah like there so it's a nice little follow-up it's a nice little through line and you know i think it's it's why it's why they're there and i'm here like because i would have if i was writing this episode i would have just taken the most direct route and i would have been like yeah obviously he goes straight to lizzie but there was this other little tiny detour we could take that would add another layer of intrigue and, you know, interesting flavor to the episode. Absolutely. Um, but then we see, oh boy, the shit show continues. Carter has shown up looking for Abby. This can only go well for everyone. Yikes. Uh, but young man named Curtis shows up looking for his family. It was He's a member of the family that had the gunshot wounds. Uh, goes in to see his mom and asks very pointedly. Yeah, pointedly. <laughs> Thank you. That's a good word for it. pointedly. Who did this? Hmm. And his mom is like, "No, no, you don't. No, don't go looking. Don't, don't do that." And as 
while they're doing that, Turner starts to crash, and he needs exploratory surgery for internal bleeding. And Curtis is played by... Curtis is played by actor Corey Hardricht, who appears in stuff like American Sniper, Brotherly Love, and All Eyes on Me. And he is the second member of the family to have appeared on this show before. He appeared uh, in a season five episode as a completely different character. We go from there to Romano waiting for treatment. Uh, (laughs) The standard of care really does suck here. So Uh, good. uh, Carrie comes in to help since Susan was busy, uh, and they can't determine the extent of some of the burns because he has no feeling. And uh, Carrie reiterates that he should see Lizzie, which he is adamant that he does not want to do. Is there a he, worse possible outcome for him in that for for Romano specifically in that moment for Carrie to be the one to walk through that door? No, like, that's pretty much it. Like holy shit! Also. There's no reason for it to happen, and it never would have happened given all the the stuff. But in a dream world where we have access to every actor and every character at all times, and we can just pluck them out of the shadow realm, I would have loved for this to be a Benton cameo. Like I would have loved for there to be a reason for Benton to to be the one to come in and consult on this, because he's he's gonna do a good job, and he's somebody that Romano knows is good and would trust him with his arm. And it would be a perfect opportunity for him to be like, mm, your your racist ass kind of needs me now, don't don't you? Like it would have mm-hmm. just been a really good closing of the no- closing of the book so, on all that stuff. I have to tell you, this is how far we've come and how stressed I am tonight. For a good chunk of what you were just saying, I was like, but why would Benton be specifically like, guys? That's where I'm at right now. That I was like, why would Benton like be a good? I'm. <laughs> I'm not qualified you're, tonight. You're, you're a little off your game, and that's fine. <laughs> or it's just a normal, I was going to say Tuesday, it's a normal recording night, and I just don't know anything about ER. It's fine. It's fine. Does, do any of us really? I guess not. I mean, Daniel does. Uh, and look, as we're getting deeper into the show, my muscle memory on these things are really failing me. <laughs> like, a lot of these plot threads, I'm like, who the fuck is this? Was, was I, like, thumbing myself in the eyeball as I was watching this show the first time? So... You know, it's uh, it's only going to get worse as we get deeper in, or or better, maybe, maybe worse is maybe better. Maybe better, yeah. Who knows? Uh, then we go to Carter on the phone trying to get Abby when she walks into the ER, and Curtis starts screaming and knocking shit over. Carter postures to get him to calm down so he can suture him up because he cut his cheek, I yeah, believe, I think so. or his head, something yeah. like that. Yeah. He has a he has a wound now. Uh, Curtis left a gang because his mom begged him to get a job instead, and apparently a rival gang uh, apparently looked like he was an easy target to score some points on. So neat. Gangs uh, suck. That's that's my hot take of the day. Gangs suck. Whoa, so controversial. Uh, but then. Carrie tells Luca the board said no, but that hypothetically a boy wouldn't be turned away if he showed up needing care. Wink. Which is so weird because it's like she tells him this, but we already saw them leaving with the defibrillator. So I'm very confused on this timing, but okay. Um, I think it was, then, that was more, I guess, clandestine uh, prep by yeah by Luca and them, but I don't know. But then uh, he he shows up at the airport to get onto. And Carter gives Curtis, cutest Car- Curtis, a full rundown of Noel's status. Uh, Curtis is gets ready and leaves with some guys from his old gang to go get revenge. Carter tries to stop him, and he's like, "What am I gonna say to that little girl when she wakes up, or like when she comes to? What am I gonna tell her about her brother?" And he just goes, "You tell her I'm a warrior." 
and he leaves. This can only end well. And then the helicopter with Chuck and Luca bringing Ante back to the hospital. Chuck is doing an in-air intubation, which Luca's a little sketchy on. And Luca's like, don't fuck up. Chuck goes, mm, you're a real motivator. <laughs> and I love his line, I, too. You got to get down low on the ground like you're having sex in a Volkswagen. <laughs> I totally missed that line. I don't know how, but oh, my God. It's fucking great. Um, But then... Lizzie and Shirley are setting up the OR with Dr. Dorset, and Chuck is helping get Ante stable-ish for them to get him down into the OR and set up. Lots going on. Let's get this boy a surgery. Boys love surgery. <laughs> Especially boys with heart conditions. Uh, Chuck and Susan are flirting and being cute now that they're divorced. Uh, I believe they say, what's it, uh, divorce sex is the best sex something or something like, like that. Something like that, yeah. And Susan's like, you know, just because we're splitting up doesn't mean we have to end it. So, and Chuck says, I know a bench in Lincoln Park. No, hey. Susan says that, actually. Oh, Susan says that. Oh, He's, excuse me. Yeah, Sorry. Cause, Susie's, cause, being, Susie's being the floor. Yeah, because Chuck goes, well, I got a roommate. And she goes, it's okay. I know a bench in Lincoln Park. Gotcha. Uh, we then uh, go back up to the surgery. Luca and Carrie are observing. Uh, Romano is uh, headed out. And Carter checks in on Mrs. Mitchell, and, of course, she asks where Curtis is. Uh, Dorset uh, and Lizzie uh, are walking out after the the surgery, uh, and he tries to ask her out uh, for drinks, uh, but she is, like, kind of waffling on it. Seems like she's going to be into it, but then kind of has second thoughts after uh, she sees something we will address in the next audio clip. Uh and he offers her a ride home at least uh and then that brings us into the following scene yeah we see lizzie sees romano down at the bridge and we get this lovely conversation nice evening for a stroll lizzie how'd it go with plastics you want galant do post it on the bulletin board no, Plastics consulted me. They knew that I'd examined your other infection. Well, he wants to admit me for wound care, daily debridements, and uh, pulse monitoring, and about a week do skin grafts on the dorsum and the volar aspect. That seems reasonable. Does it? I was making tea. I put the pot on, I uh, got distracted. My sling got caught on the burner, and... Uh, my arm was on fire. And I didn't realize it until I saw the flame. It's ridiculous. Unfortunately, things like that can happen during sensory recovery. Yeah, but I'm not recovering. I'll never get the feeling back. Robert, listen to me. Just because you're discouraged, don't do anything that might cause a delay. It's just going to keep going can't like this. afford to have another infection. It's over. Compartment syndrome, vascular Lizzie, insufficiency. You're not hearing me. It's over. time for me to cut my losses. Robert. Well, we both know I'll be better off without it. You as much as said so. No, what I said was that amputation was always a possibility down the line, but I, I don't I'm think... I'm very, that... very glad we had this chat. You uh, check the OR schedule and set it up? As soon as possible. I just want to get rid of the damn thing. 
I love Come it. Come on out. I love it. Did Gallant just put it on the fucking bulletin board? I love the running through line of him being upset that, that Gallant keeps telling people after he singled out Gallant specifically because he thought he would be discreet. <laughs> like, <laughs> just more and more people keep uh, getting involved. Ugh. But it, it just bums me out that, like, they really... Uh, they really laid the groundwork for a truly excellent storyline here and like I th- that should be remembered much more fondly than it is um and I, I think they I don't know what it is I don't know if they just got cold feet or what maybe like the viewership numbers not being what they once were maybe had something to do with it but like it just seems like they didn't feel confident in going all in on it because there's the groundwork here for a, a excellent excellent story and it's even pretty good as is and like i just feel like there was opportunities to do so much more um like this i feel like could have been or should have been one of the like major overarching themes and storylines of the entire season Um, and even going like this sets up so well for something in season 10 even if they had gone with it yeah yeah so like and again i i still feel like there was money to be made and 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 gold to be mined in having him stay on as head of the ER and just learn how to be a fucking doctor instead of a heartless surgeon. Like I, I felt like there was a mi- major major missed opportunity there, and this um this conversation this scene is such a great example of how he is starting to round the corner. Like he is starting to learn, you know, to come to terms with what's happened to him you know, be not only listen and and take in advice and take in, you know, listen to what the doctors have been telling him for a while, but like be the one to, to hold up the white flag himself and, and say like, no, I'm going to be better off without this. Like I need to, I'm the one that has to let go here. I'm the one that, that has to like relinquish some control. And like, I don't know, there was just, there's a lot better story happening and i don't think they even realize it like i don't think they understand what they have in their hands here i think they had a golden opportunity and they just let it slip away and so we get the angry sad depressed just shell of a man right which i'm sure you know for the beginning of next i'm sure season. The, the early parts of next season they're gonna yield some some good light-hearted comedic stuff when he's got the hook you know and the the prosthetics and you know like there's 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 a little bit of that I'm I am looking forward to in some respect, but I do uh, sort of mourn the loss of this other storyline that seemingly is getting uh, lost and is and is just getting forgotten about in favor of, oh, let's just turn him into a, a grumpy side gag sight gag and then, you know, fuck him off in the first third of, the, of next season. You know, it just mm-hmm. it feels like a big waste of everyone's time. Agreed. Uh, moving on, though, uh, our last other two scenes here are also audio clips. Uh, first one's Abby in the lounge. She's looking for Carter, but she runs into Luca instead. Hey. Hey. Have you seen Carter? Uh, he was here before. Everything okay? Hey, I heard about the boy. Congratulations. Thanks. Okay, see you tomorrow. Actually, uh, you won't see me for a while. I'm going to the Congo. What? The uh, Alliance de Medicina Internacional. 
I'm off tomorrow, and then I'm going for West Africa. I didn't realize that was so soon. Take care of yourself. I mean it. Yeah. On the fort. Here's David Zabel's big uh, contribution to the episode. Uh, <laughs> never letting you forget that these two uh, are, are not far from each other's orbit at any point. <laughs> um, but it is a very poignant, poignant moment, and, and it's one that I... Um, I've been really uh, surprised this season, like as as we've gone further into it like i've been surprised at how well they've been able to toe that line and and balance keeping uh, like my memories of of all this stuff is that you know they break luca and abby up in favor of of luca and uh, in favor of uh abby and carter and that they more or less let some space come between abby and luca like there's that they do a, a they really make an effort to like keep them separate and there's been a little bit of that mm -hmm. but they've actually done a really good job of like balancing keeping them in each other's or it's much more Doug and Carol than I remembered it being and I, I definitely remember my memories of it have clearly been flawed because like I, I, I didn't I remember there being kind of distinct differences between those two pairings in terms of like how they handled when they're apart um and they've actually, like I said, they've done a really masterful job, I, I feel like, this season of, like, keeping kind of a general orbit between them, but not making it so, like, oh, this is a love triangle, will they, won't they, like, it, it could have gotten very, like, trite and soap opera-y, and they really have, have kept it very restrained, and I'm, I'm a big fan of that. Me too. Because I hate, because... Love triangles are stupid. Yeah, it's it was it deserves better than that, and so I'm I'm happy that they went the way that they did. Plus, it wouldn't even be a triangle; it's just a love V. Because unless Carter is really into Luca, well, now as the as to connect the the There's third like, side, mm. they 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 are the premier ER thruple. Let's be honest. Like if this there we if go. this show was being made in in modern times, like there would 100 percent be a bisexual thruple happening here. I'm in. I mean, I, that doesn't uh, that surprises no one. <laughs> yeah, I'm me. So I really, uh, God, I'm really gonna start a Grey's Anatomy rewatch, aren't I? Yeah. I just need because I'm a messy bitch who lives for drama, and I'm that depressed right now. I'm that's, out. That's. Uh, oh. Anyway, ending on our last scene here. Uh, one of Curtis's friends is brought in, and they don't know where Curtis is, but Carter's going to jump in to help. She's in the lounge. Oof. You're not going to play that. GSW to the chest and back. The LOC, but he's altered. Who's attending? Uh, Chen's in three with a hot mind. You're going to take this. Pratt needs an attending. You're an attending? BP 90 over 66 after a leader. Hey. Hey, where's Curtis? I don't know, man. I don't know. Is anybody with him? A bunch of them down, a couple pronounced on the scene. Zachy at 130. Keep breathing. <laughs> Lost the pulse. Alright, start compressions. Let's go. No pressure, no pulse. Alright, stop CBR. Come in. You back. Door commie tray. Carter, I'm here. Beta dine and 10 blade next. She may have got it. Come on, Pratt. Don't just stand there. Do a central line. This is my patient. I got it. Still no pulse. Carter, it's okay. You don't have to do this. Alright, give me a 10 blade. John, let them take it.
intercostal space all the way to the mid-axillary line. Okay, why don't we just get you out? You know, I came in to find you, right? I shouldn't have come in here. I shouldn't have come. It's okay. Things are gonna get better. Can you do me a favor? Yeah. Can you leave me alone? What? I need some time. Can you just go? And then he proceeds to break down crying. Oh. I mean, at least at least he's crying. At least like he's not holding that in. I'd That's rather true. I'd rather he cry in a trauma in like the suture room than be throwing stuff all over a room in anger. Yeah. Like, just saying, it's it's a him snapping at Abby not so healthy, but him at least asking for space and sitting to cry and feel his feelings. Yeah, not too bad. I don't know. Like I said again earlier in the episode with the the scene with him and his dad. Like I feel like there was yeah. there was a very graceful lesson to be learned there from his dad and like mm-hmm. it, and him for him to come back here after he's had time to digest everything that's happened, have an honest conversation and be like, you know what, you were right. You've been telling me all along that like, and I I thought I could handle it, but it turns out I can't. And I think it you know like th- there was just a much more honest like mature conversation dialogue dialogue to be had between these two (laughs) and like we just can't have that for even one second it always has to be drama it always has to be chaos i mean carter is a messy bitch who lives for drama as well at me me being me also being one i recognize one when i see (laughs) one um so (laughs) you can smell your own but also at the same time he's just he buried like arguably like the most important person in his life today sure no so and it's i think he's allowed to be a little bit emotional i'm not i'm not excusing this but like there's definitely a better way to do this but i think i think again i think i think if they had done more and and mined more emotional depth out of that scene between him and his dad which there it was there for the taking if they had just pulled a little bit extra wrung a little bit of extra juice out of that i feel like there could have like and they could have put him and maybe it's because we're coming down to the end of the season and they don't want to show their cards fully like you want to leave some kind of like ooh hanging thread of like mm, maybe they're maybe these crazy kids are gonna make it after all or like may, f- f- tune in next week to find out like maybe there's a little bit of that going on here where they don't want to really firmly plant a flag and be like okay by the way this is over with because i do feel like there should be a more definitive like hey we're done with this like we're we're yeah, moving this on. this is over right and because th- they're gonna drag this out until what the season 10 premiere like there is that when he sends the letter like it's like i think it also goes into when he gets back from africa because there's a scene there where he goes to abby's house true yeah there is but like the the definitive like end of the relationship part is him sending the letter and i feel like that's early season 10 so like we're we're so they're gonna drag this out a little while longer um, but like functionally speaking, this is the end of it, and thank God. <laughs> like they, I said, Daniel's long national nightmare. They is got over. my letters. Like, please, please stop. Like, this is this is torture. I've I've been slowly dying every single week while this has been happening. <laughs> <sighs> but it's uh, uh, kind of a messy bitch of an episode. But like, yeah. But like, there's. There's again, there's little that season nine as a whole is kind of this way. 
the whole thing doesn't really work, but there's some standout things within that do. And that's this episode is a microcosm of that. The episode as a whole is kind of a messy bitch, but there's little things in there that I like, you know, the Romano stuff, the um, scene between Carter and his dad, the funeral again, which I find hilarious. Like there's, there's things in here to like, but then there's also a lot of stuff that is either a just filler or B like just kind of frustrating to watch. And so, you know, it's, it's a very mixed bag. I'm kind of with you there. The, I think, the good spots outweigh the stuff that I'm just neutral on, so I'd probably give it a seven that, in that yeah, regard. That feels fair. But ugh, just come on, we got. We, I know we're better than this, people. We're better than this. I think it, you know it's well, Lauren. What are, your your thoughts first before I get wax poetic? I have no thoughts. My brain right now is just playing an endless loop of Eric falling into that grave to try and keep me alive. So <laughs> I'm I'm not one to give partial uh, or verbose critique tonight. So I will let you wax poetic, Daniel. <laughs> just this this season, uh, this season as a whole has been one of extreme transition. And I think it's easy for us to forget because we go week by week and like we're, you know, like that they are sort of learning how to reinvent the wheel with this season of like, they mm-hmm. went through so much traumatic change in not only the cast, but just the fabric of the way that the ensemble was constructed. They went through so much dr- dramatic change in over the last season that I feel like I personally, and I, I think us as a whole, we've been really hard on season nine and like, yeah. and, and it's not to say that it doesn't deserve it to some degree. Um, because it has been a really odd, uneven season. Um, but, like, there are those moments in there. There are those things. Like, I, I maintain that, like, if they'd have just trusted their gut and if they'd have just trusted the pieces that were already in place, because they haven't really added all that much this season, right? Like, is there anything that I'm missing or I'm forgetting about that they've, like, added this season? Like, most everything is stuff that was already in play. I mean, there was guest stars and stuff, obviously, like, uh, Don Cheadle and and uh, you know Doctor Dipshit, who I name I'm forgetting, but like the one who's hooking up with Lizzie currently. Like they, they they've added little like flourishes here and there, but like they haven't added like a brand new main cast member or anything like that to try to like you know in, inject some new life. That that comes next season. It was there come that comes a lot of that comes right. next season right off. They the were they were more in the vein of like, let's shift more focus over to Carter and kind of let his stories fuel the, the engine, at least in the early part of the season. And like, I feel like if they'd have just trusted what they had in the, in the barrel, like if they'd have just trusted the players that were already there, your Lizzie's, your Romano's, all these people, if they'd have really just gone all in on that, I feel like there wouldn't have be there wouldn't be this dramatic, noticeable drop in quality from season eight to nine. Um, there was a lot of really good stuff to be mined there. And I, I just really wish that, you know, they would have trusted that more, but I also have to remind myself that like Anthony Edwards and Eric LaSalle just walked out the door, you know, and, and the three people that they brought in to replace George Clooney, two out of those three didn't make it out of season eight, you know? So it's like, 
they had a lot going against them too that maybe made them gun shy. So I have to I have to keep that in perspective. Well, this has been your free preview, free preview of the season uh, nine hey. recap, folks. <laughs> Daniel, what the listeners have to say? Venus S. Said, this episode had so much going on. Carter lost the one person who had truly been in his life, and he was essentially grieving alone. His dad was there, but I felt only uh, supplied limited support because he had been in and out of Carter's life so much. And although Abby was there to be his support system, she really wasn't there because she was so focused on Eric's state of mind. You could see toward the end, whatever was left of what they called a relationship was all but over. My heart continues to break for Romano, who continues to be given more devastating signs that his arm is unsalvageable, which in his eyes means so is his career in medicine. We needed more scenes between him and Elizabeth. I think they missed a huge opportunity in putting him and Lizzie together. Uh, She understood him, and she was one of the very few that he was sincerely honest with. Heather R. says, Time of death on the Carter-Abbey relationship wasn't in Dear Abby. It was here. If it wasn't already dead or on life support by this point. Abby's still caught between her brother and also wanting to be there for Carter. Seeing Eric in the Livo uh, gives off immediate this-can-only-end-well vibes. And look, he creates a scene and falls into the grave. Cool, cool. While caught in the middle, Carter only treats Abby like crap for it. Like, I guess I could understand if this was a running theme. You're always choosing your family over me because you don't like me more than him. That's so mean, Abby. But while Abby's mother and brother have had issues she's needed to deal with, Carter's always understood and been there for her. Even before they started dating. Remember the road trip with Maggie? Maybe that was the point here, that Carter was sick of it? I don't know. I still think he was kind of cold toward Abby with some of his comments, or maybe I just like Abby more than Carter, so I'm on her side. Hey, there it is. That's Welcome to the club. We've got t-shirts. Shrugs. Uh, it's all just a weird train wreck to finally end their romantic arc together. And last but certainly not least, Gen T. I do feel bad for Carter and what happened with Eric, but I cannot blame Abby. She was stuck between a rock and a hard place. Carter expected her to be there, but Eric showed up and she was worried about him. I love Luca running all over the hospital trying to get help for Ante. Uh, why, <laughs> why come by the house? Seriously, Carter, Abby is trying and you're not giving an inch. Uh, I do like the side plot of Romano and the baseball player. He shows a little bit of humanity again, just a little, and I do feel bad about his arm. Also, go Carrie fighting for Ante and figuring out a way to make it happen. Carrie and Luca had a quiet sort of friendship, and I really love it. They had a mutual respect and confided in each other more than one would expect. Uh, love Jack Carter. Does anyone else think it's funny that Mora and Michael Gross have been in three shows together? Telling Carter that Abby didn't do anything wrong, but does Carter listen? Of course not. This is the final nail in the coffin of the mess that is their relationship. Add in his yelling at her and the way she takes it. I cannot. I get his frustration about Curtis and the family, but don't take it out on your girlfriend. Damn right. All right. Uh, Going to be brief tonight. Uh, we really appreciate your support on patreon.com slash podcast for only $5 a month. You know, less than a pumpkin spice latte. I was surprised at how much pumpkin spice lattes are. Like, I didn't realize they were like six bucks. <laughs> so for less than that. You can support this show. Uh, you can get some free stickers. You can get bonus podcasts. You can get the full season nine recap, which is coming up in a couple weeks. Um, but also, I really wanted to mention there is a new COVID vaccine. We really we talked about this on our Patreon the couple days uh, on our on the lounge a couple days ago. One of the bonus podcasts you'll get. Uh, but there is a new COVID variant going around. It is very contagious. Uh, all three of us got it. It was super, super not fun. And we really encourage you, go get a flu shot. Go get an updated COVID vaccine. I feel like shit today because I got mine yesterday. But you know what? It's worth it to feel 
feel safer. And I'm doing, hopefully I'm doing some something something good for the general public. And you can do that too. And we really appreciate you, and we will see you next week. Thank you. Thank you.